Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 111 of Let's Talk with Scoggs. This week, I have my friend Hope on the show. Last time we spoke, she was in a band called Vista, and we spoke right before COVID changed all of our lives. Since lockdown, since we've experienced our first global pandemic together, she had time to reflect and she is now under a new exciting artist name, Revive. She has been releasing music. She's got a song, Social Shit, that we will discuss and so much more. But a majority of this conversation is Hope really giving us an inside look at what made her want to change, what made her ask for help. It's a story of resilience and absolute tenacity. I admire Hope so much. She's wise beyond her years and incredibly generous in this conversation, as she always is. I think in her music, she's really generous to let you know what she's really thinking and feeling. So I want to delay you no more. Here is episode 111 of Let's Talk with Scoggs with Raviv. Okay, I think it's working. Yes. <gasps> Hi, Hope. Hi. Okay, so I looked back. Yeah. We last spoke <laughs> February 2020. Oh, my God. That's like – with COVID, I have no concept of time, and I can't even I believe that that's almost two years ago. That's crazy. And I thought about it, and I was like, I feel like – I know I spoke to her in 2020, but I couldn't – I wasn't sure if it was before or after all of our lives changed. <laughs> so that being said, what's new with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Such an important question. I cannot. I I cannot believe it was like right before COVID right that we before. talked. Yeah, we were so optimistic about I know. life. Oh my everything. god! <laughs> what a time! I know. Oh my god! Everything's changed. I feel like. I feel like everything's new. Yes. Um, the biggest, obviously, being that I'm now going by Revive for music, Woo! which is crazy. And I for, I honestly like forget that that's my stage name now because I went mm-hmm. by Hope Vista, which is my real name for so long. So when people ask me like, oh, what do you want me to call you? I'm like, I mean, still call me Hope for sure because I don't even respond to Revive like half the time. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, it's it's taking some some getting used to. People who have known me for a long time still still call me like Hope on socials. But um, but yeah, that's that's the biggest change for sure. And what – I mean <laughs> – I, oh gosh, it's so different from our last conversation. <laughs> it's so different. And I just want to give you a chance to like give us whatever you're comfortable with, like the story of how we got here, because everybody listening in their own lives has gone through some sort of epiphany change. Um, like we've all been through some sort of metamorphosis in a way, you know? Yeah. yeah especially with yours COVID. happens to be forward-facing that we all can see, you know, minor in private. <laughs> so whatever you're wanting to share, I would love to hear how we got here. Yeah. It's like uh, I feel like a lot of the the metamorphosis was in private because it was during quarantine that I was, mm. you know, kind of, you know, Vista obviously is no longer together. Mm-hmm. And uh, quarantine, you know, I went to my mom's house in New Jersey because she lives alone and I didn't want her to be alone. So I was with oh. her for a few months and I didn't have anything just like everybody else. We were all just kind of, you know, stuck wondering when we were going to get back to life and we never yeah. really did. So <laughs> right. 
So it was a lot of um, it was a lot of transformation and silence, and that's something that I'm not really used to is is quiet and silence and not being around anybody or anything. I was always on tour, I was always recording or doing, you know, something related to to my previous band, and this was the first time in a very very long time where I was just quiet and I was so uncomfortable. And you know, things things obviously didn't work out with the band, and and I had to deal with that in quarantine and after, and you know, still. And I said to myself before quarantine, actually, I was like, well, you know, I kind of, I, I don't really, I don't really know where things are going with the band. And I really want to get back to doing solo stuff because, mm. you know, it's just, there's something really special about having your own creative process and and coming up with ideas. And, you know, I don't want to say not having to compromise because there was something really special about, you know, uh, about compromise in a band, you get to hear other mm. people's ideas and, and you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. And that's, that's brilliant. Like there's so many great parts to it, but I was also really feeling like, you know, I have ideas that I don't think would fit with, with, with Vista. And I don't know, I just came up with this like word revive. Like I, I don't, you know, the, the last Vista record was supposed to be called the revival. And right. unfortunately, we didn't get there. But I kept thinking about the word revival. And I was like, well, this is kind of my own revival. So I just kept thinking of the word revival over and over again. I was like, I'll just change one letter and, you know, <laughs> go from re- revive to revive. It's totally fine. And that's mm-hmm. that's where it came from was, you know, this is my own rebirth and this is my own revival. So so oh. revive just came from there. And it stuck with me for a few months. And I was just kind of sitting on the name and I wasn't able to record. I didn't even bring a guitar with me to my mom's because I thought I was going to be there in, for two weeks. Mm. So I ended up being there for over two months. <laughs> didn't write a single song. Didn't do anything other than just work on, um, you know, myself. And I, I have done that many, many times. You know, go through these like transformative periods. But I, I was just like, well, you know, I don't really have any other options other than to kind of just sit with myself. So I guess I have to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't force myself to do anything. I didn't force myself to like you know, journal or write or really do anything. I just did whatever I felt most comfortable with. And some days that was nothing. Some days that was working out for three hours. Some days it was, you know, it was whatever it was. And that's really where uh, Revive came from. So it was ultimately a big transformative process. But, you know, it was a while before the first single came out, which was in in March of, of mm-hmm. this year. And then it was eight months before another one. And it's overall just been about a lot of just you know, different life changes, got engaged, got a house, got a puppy, like, you know, adult <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. All in a few months, all of that happened. And and all all the while, you know, going through not having, you know, what I was really familiar with for five years, which was mm-hmm. my band. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a lot at one time. <laughs> yes. I yeah. mean, I think we could pluck anyone off the street and have this same conversation of what did you learn? How did you grow? What were you scared of during all of this? Of course. Fortunately for you, it was an epiphany where you're going to be creative. Um, Some of us just made sourdough bread, which is also great. I I honestly (laughs) wish I did that. I made cake. I made um, Mm – like my mom, it was nice to just have my mom cook, which is, yeah. you know, I really took for granted when I, you know, I haven't lived with my mom and, you know, since I graduated from college six years ago. So mm-hmm. it was totally just like, it was so nice. The first day I got there, she was baking cookies and I was like, oh my God, this isn't going to be that bad. Like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and I gained weight, honestly. And then I lost weight and then I, you know, worked out a ton and then I, I sat on my ass and did nothing. And then mm-hmm. it was, it was just like such a variety of things and I had to kind of learn to not care which yes. was very, very hard because I care about everything. Yes. Um, but that was really like, you know, that's, that's, the, that's just the cusp. But that's, that's 
you know, the full gamut of <laughs> yes. of what's new. Good. I'm so glad. It all sounds very positive. It sounds very exciting. And the idea of being still. Yeah. Because we couldn't, like for the first, I just had a conversation with someone talking about how as a young woman, single, when I was single, I voluntarily, I called it hibernation. I didn't call it a quarantine. I would hibernate just because yeah. I was unsettled in myself and I needed to kind of go into a quote unquote cave and just kind of like work it out. This time I was told you must stay home <laughs> for everyone's safety. I was on board. Mm -hmm. And to your point, we had no idea that it was going to be for a year. Yeah. It felt like, okay, two weeks. I can do two weeks. This is great. And sitting in that stillness was something that I was familiar-ish with, but this on the level of we're having so much tragedy, we're, we don't know what this thing is, it just added a whole other level of anxiety and confusion and fear. So to have had that experience, because that was sort of a universal one, but then decide that revival is a word that is going to be, in a way, become sort of a mantra, a like headline for you. Looking back on all of that, what does what does revival mean to you today? Oh, oh God, I don't even know because it's it's been like through so many phases. Like I've been mm. through so many phases in the last now almost two years with with COVID. And yeah. it's not even just COVID. It was coming no matter what. And COVID just kind of woke my ass up and said, hey, yes. what you're doing is not healthy for you. And yeah. you're, it got to a point like two weeks before quarantine where I was so sick. I was so sick because I was running myself ragged, you know, doing mm. a million things at once. And I ended up, you know, I ended up going to the hospital. I ended up, you know, losing so much weight. I was absolutely miserable. And one day I just snapped at the, it was actually at the last Vista show. And I've never told anybody this because it was just so embarrassing at the time. But at the last Vista show, which was February 16th, 2020, mm -hmm. I, you know, we didn't anticipate it being our last show. We were supposed to be on tour in April. And so I, I didn't know that was going to be our, our last show. I ended up having like a total mental breakdown at the venue. And I oh. ran away like from the van. I was in our van for hours having a panic attack, my heart rate was at like 130 for like four hours. And I was so sick. I couldn't function. I was convulsing. Like nobody knew. I was just kind of hiding in the van with, you know, with the people we had on tour with us. And I ended up walking out of the van, leaving, and then starting to run. I just started running around the local neighborhood, <laughs> which sounds so funny now thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what the hell was I doing? But I was going through a real like mental crisis and I ended up getting chased by my fiance, my best friend. They were following me. They were calling my mom, asking what they should do. And my mom was saying, you got to get her to the hospital. And I was like, I can't play. I don't want to play. I don't want to do this. Like I'm exhausted. I don't feel well. I was just at a point where I was so just I was so not there anymore. Mm. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun anymore. Like I was just so tired. Um, it got too stressful and it wasn't fun anymore. And I, they ended up, you know, getting me, but not before I threw up on someone's lawn. I threw mm. my phone across like a residential yard and they had to go hunting for it in the dark. It was pitch black. And I finally got back to the van and I was like, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to play. And they said, okay, you don't have to play. If you don't want to play, you don't have to. If you don't want to, then that's, t that's you know, that's your answer, you know. And mm. if you don't want to anymore, then, then you have the answer that you're looking for. And I was like, okay, so I'm not going to play. So they went on and started playing instrumentally. 
and mm-hmm. without me. And I could hear it from the van and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I, what is like, just what is going on? Why am I allowing, you know, the stress of, of being in an unsigned band, you know? And I stress the word unsigned because it's like, you know, no one was telling me to do these things. I wasn't being forced to do any of these things. I was doing it out of choice. And, you know, I had this goal in mind for, you know, the band and it wasn't working and I was, I was letting it eat me alive. So then it became not fun anymore. And then I started getting sick. So, you know, I ended up getting up on stage halfway through the set and that felt like a rebirth in its own right. And I, Mm. you know, think I did a really good job (laughs) given, you know, given the state of mind that I had been in an hour prior, but I heard music and I was like, get your clothes on, get your ass on stage. And my, um, my best friend had actually prepped my mic and everything. She kind of assumed, Hey, she's going to find it in her and get her way on stage somehow. And she was right. But I, you know, got on stage, did the rest of the set, whatever. And that was the night where I was like, yeah, I, I, I can't keep putting myself through this. I can't, what is the point? Because you're not happy. You're not having fun. And that was the whole point to begin with, you know? So it became a whole different word at that point, rebirth, revival, you know, whatever it may be. And I realized that that wasn't the thing for me anymore because it shouldn't make you sick, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, the solo, you know, idea to go back to solo had come up in my head way before that, but Mm -hmm. I was really focused on Vista. So it wasn't something I wanted to just do quite yet. But I said, what's going to make you happy? Like, what's going what's gonna to heal you? What's going to make you feel better? What is going to get you out of this, you know, this mental crisis that you're in? Because that's really what it was. Like, I lost 15 pounds. I ended up having to go to the hospital. Like, I was really sick. And um, I was anxious all the time. I was super depressed. I wasn't eating. And it wasn't solo music. It was actually quarantine, which sounds really, really weird. And I hate saying it, too, because I know so many people, you know, were in really bad spots during quarantine. But I did see it as a blessing. And I saw it as, okay, the world is telling you slow the, slow the hell down. You yeah. have to slow down. And you have to stop. And you have to be still. So that was what it meant for me, you know, was, um, okay, well, here's your chance to rebirth yourself. And here's your chance to stop. And that's what you wanted. And it's in a really really horrible situation. But if you can make the best of it, then do so, you know? So, so I did. And that was it. And that was, you know, it just became a process of, of, you know, figuring out how to eat again, which sounds really silly, but figuring out how to eat and eating my mom's food was the best way to do that. And Mm -hmm. figuring out how to just function and shower and get up every day and change. I did my makeup every day, you know, forced myself to get into a routine. Yeah. And and the music came after that. And that was like the most important part was the music came after figuring out all of those things. Hello, friends. Let's thank our sponsor this week. And this is an offer and a company I'm extremely excited to share with you, Cerebral. We talk on this show a lot about having support for your mental health is normal. It's important. And I'm so happy to tell you about Cerebral. And here's a little stat. In the last year, the rates of anxiety and depression have doubled in the U.S. And these days, it can take weeks to get a traditional therapy appointment. So here is Cerebral. It's an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and so much more. Cerebral is easy to use, it is convenient, and you can do it from the comfort of your home. So here are a few other things that I really love about it. Again, they provide prescription medication online through a licensed provider, and they ship the medication straight to your door. You can skip the pharmacy. Unlimited messaging with your care team. With the Cerebral mobile app, it's like having your personal care team wherever you are. 
You can connect with your counselor and therapist on your own schedule through your laptop or the Cerebral mobile app. So that means you can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you. You don't have to wait to be seen. You can do your sessions on a laptop or maybe your phone. And you can always find an area at home where you feel most comfortable. So that means in your sweatpants. Affordable treatments are one-third of the price of traditional therapy. So treatment options are available with or without insurance. Cerebral is in-network for several insurers, and they're working every day to grow their partnerships. So even if you're out of network, they'll provide you with necessary paperwork so you can easily submit a claim. And Simone Biles is the chief impact officer. She's a huge advocate for mental health, as we have seen and applauded, and she wants to reduce the stigma around getting treatment, and that's why she loves using Cerebral. I could not agree with her more. So that means that she could choose her therapist, uh, her therapist could understand her background, experiences. 50% of Cerebral clients self-identify as people of color. It's important to Cerebral to have a diverse team so that everyone can get the treatment they deserve, diverse clients, and uh, Simone says it's great for her lifestyle so she can speak to her therapist wherever she is. And she certainly travels a lot. So this is the important part. This is what I need you to write down. For all the listeners of this program, you can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at getcerebral.com slash scogs. I'm going to repeat that for you. Go to cerebral.com slash scogs for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Thank you, Cerebral. If any of that sounded like you could benefit from it, please check it out. And in the meantime, let's get back to the show. I got goosebumps like six times during that story. <laughs> Nobody oh knows gosh. that story because it's so embarrassing. Like, no, hope we never it, talked it. about it, never said anything about it. It was just like that was the last Vista show. And, you know, I hate that was the last Vista show because that's not who I am as a performer. But it's like, you know, it's um, – and that was the most frustrating thing to me was I didn't do the best that I could, you know. But um, it was like – it was so much more than that on that particular yeah. day because mm-hmm. I was really, really messed up. Like I was really sick. And, you know, throwing up on someone's lawn is like what always grabs me the most because I have a phobia of throwing up. And I'm like, you know, thinking of myself in that light and not knowing what to do and running around a neighborhood, like, you know, just just losing my mind and and thinking back to that being now almost two years ago and releasing music, you know, is is it's like mind boggling to me at, at times that I'm able to do it again, you know. I know that you say it's embarrassing and I <laughs> 1000% understand from you, from where you're sitting, but as someone who is admires your strength and just how mature you are, because even the last time we spoke, I remember being really taken aback by how mature you are and how much you take on and you have all this pressure on yourself. But to your point, you seem to handle it really well. And I think you do. Thank you. And to give you... Such, I need to give you a little bit of grace here that anxiety and f- listening to your body to the point where it, it had to like take over, like we're not doing this kind of thing. That is a struggle that a lot of us have. So yeah. you are absolutely not alone. Thank you. And 
it does not take away any of the incredible things that you have done, will do, are doing. Um, I am so grateful that you shared that story because that's the kind of stuff people need to hear because we have all, we have all had or will be in that version of this isn't right and I need to listen to my intuition, my gut, whatever it is. And I am so glad that you are here today. Thank you. Doing this. Me too. Major, <laughs> major props. Me too, major. honestly. It's, I didn't think oh. I was going to release music ever again. Just because I was so traumatized by, you know, sure. a wide range of things. Like, it wasn't just that day. It was a lot of different things in life in general. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm never doing this again. Like, I got yeah. so sick. Like, there's no there's no point. I have a house. I have a fiance. I have a dog. But those things, you know, like, although I am so grateful for everything that I have now and I have, like, you know, a, I'm in a really great situation, music has been my life since I was yeah. very, very young. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't 100% fulfilled not doing any type of music. Um, because it's just, you know, and also it's just what I've done alone for the last, you know, like 10 years, just, you know, pursuing a music career. So it was, you yeah. know, it was time to say, you know what, like you're, you're good. Like you're never going to be 100% good, but like for right now you're good and you have to, yeah. you have to find a way to, to get yourself back in or you're never going to. So, oh, I'm so inspired right now. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Woo. Um, so when did you start feeling the inkling of, I do want to start writing again. I do want to start like tiptoeing back into music. I don't know when it was exactly. It was like during quarantine, I wrote a song called Sahara, mm-hmm. which actually I might have, I might have written that before quarantine. I honestly have no concept of time anymore. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a while, like it was a while ago. It was, it was but way before the song was released. And I, I was just like, I was like, you know, maybe I'll write a song acapella. Like maybe I'll just not even pick up the guitar. Maybe I'll just try and write it acapella and maybe I'll be able to do that. And I did. I wrote it all acapella, the whole thing. And I just sent it to to my fiance, who's my producer. And I was like, I don't know what you think of this, but, you know, it's not anything like I've done before, but I love pop music. I grew up, you know, enamored by pop music. So maybe this, you know, I've always wanted to be like a pop star. So maybe this is going to be where I feel the most comfortable is to try this. And maybe that means I'm not Hope Vista anymore, like, you know, on stage. Maybe it means that I'm I'm able to figure out something that represents where I'm at now as an adult. You know, maybe that's not by calling myself Hope Vista. Maybe it's by doing something else. So that's what started to get the gears turning. But the first song that I wrote for Revive was Sahara, which was the first single. And like, you know, that's where that's where I was now or, or back then. It's not where I am now. The new mm-hmm. single is where I'm at now. And I'm totally fine with you know, was saying, okay, well, that was where I was then, taking some time, wrote a whole record, you know, this is where I am now, took a while to get there, but it's fine. And like, you know, it's, um, it, it was, I didn't write anything during quarantine. I didn't write any music for like almost a year because I was mm. just so shot. I was so shot physically, mentally, my body literally just stopped. Right. So I said, you know, it's fine if you don't write anything for right now, you can try and maybe write, you know, if you have voice memo ideas, little line, you know, record them, record everything on your phone, which I did. But, um, you know, it wasn't until maybe like, I don't know, like six months after the last Vista show that I said, you got to, you got to, you got to figure it out at some point because this is something you know you love. So you have to figure out how to love it again in your own way. 
So Sahara came first and then, you know, I started writing other stuff, but I hated all of it. I was like, eh, I haven't really written in a while. So these songs are not really very good. Um, but my dad always told me, he said, even if you think the song is horrible, you have to finish it just to finish it. And then you'll get something good if you keep doing that. So I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then a whole EP of songs came out and that was, you know, that was awesome. Um, and now I have those and it's, you know, and then social shit came after that and it just, uh-huh. it started to kind of just continuously evolve as I found my footing again. Wow. Yeah. It was <laughs> a process for sure. A very stressful process. But then I was like, you know, if it's stressful, you shouldn't be doing it. This should be about you releasing music because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. And I felt like I had to before. So Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I had to, to get signed. I had to, to get on a bigger tour. I had to, you know, to keep growing because the moment you stop seeing growth, then you should stop. And it was like a whole slew of things that didn't really make sense looking back at it now. It's like, why did you feel that way? You know, because you had specific goals and you weren't achieving them. It it was like a whole, a whole really like just toxic mindset that I was putting myself in. So, you know, it it just came from, from wanting to and writing an acapella because I wanted to. And that was, it was, it had to be as simple as that, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't going to work. I'm sort of wondering if maybe you've learned to enjoy the process rather than the outcome. Yes. I'll, I'll always be honest in saying that like I literally hate the recording studio. I absolutely mm-hmm. hate it. I've always hated it because I feel pressure and I feel like I've always liked releasing music more than I like recording music. It's just more mm-hmm. fun. But if I didn't learn how to say, you know, well, slow down and take it all in as a whole – um, that'll make it better for you when you release the music because you can mm-hmm. appreciate the process instead of resent the process. Then, you know, then then it'll feel better for you. So definitely enjoy the process now because, I mean, the process for me now as opposed to like when I was doing solo music when I was 20 years old, it's much less chaotic. I was very chaotic at that age mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I am anymore. Even when we last spoke, I feel like I was kind of starting to not slow down. I'm not old, like, you know, but I, <laughs> but like, you know, slow down my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this sounds very strange, but getting a puppy has forced me to slow down <gasps> yes. and and focus and find patience. And now he's becoming a studio dog, which Aww. he'll just, you know, he's a pug. He gets, he's lazying out now that he's neutered. <laughs> so he's starting to get very lazy. It's a perfect companion to force me to sit down and just mm-hmm. in general, slow down and enjoy every process. Mm-hmm. Um, so with music, it's like, you know, well, I have to force myself to sit down and enjoy it or, or there's no point. And then I'm putting myself back in the same position that I was in, you know, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So. so since you have done this for so long and we're sort of starting a new chapter, well, not sort of, we are starting a new chapter. Yeah. Have you sorted out, and it sounds like you have, um, how to navigate around for lack of a better word, sort of like triggering situations where your spidey senses start to go mm-hmm. into like, oh no, this is the the bad feeling about music versus leaning into the parts that you really love and like and build your self-esteem and make you happy. It's like, it's, I, I'm just like a naturally very depressed person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always been like since I was a kid and I have a, you know, I have a chemical imbalance. It's genetic. Um, which I actually think we talked about last time. Yes, like I'm, we did. I'm super imbalanced and, you know, I'm not currently taking any medication because I want to be present and try to figure it out, which is not mm-hmm. the best. I don't recommend that for everybody, but I've just, I've done so many different types of treatment for so long that mm-hmm. this is just what's working best for me right now. It might change mm-hmm. in a few months. Um, but it, it, it forces me like to 
to navigate around certain things. Like I, I find that I'm always triggered by something, something always, mm-hmm. you know, reminds me of something or, you know, especially in music, like something, you know, if I'm writing, something always reminds me of something that maybe upset me or put me in a really anxious spot or, or mm-hmm. something like that. But if I don't just deal with it, then I, I'm never going to, to be able to record or just like live my life. You know, I'm always walking around triggers and it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm in check and that I'm, you know, that I'm handling that the right way and like the healthiest way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's always, always things that I have to kind of navigate around, especially being in the, in the studio and feeling like, well, you know, this made me upset in the past or this made me upset in the past in this room, you know, things mm. made me very upset in the past. But if I don't just come in here and do what I know that I'm good at, and that's not to be cocky because I'm like the least cocky person there is. I hate myself most of the time. But if I know that I'm a good songwriter and I know that I'm creative and I know that I'm a good artist. So if you don't just come in here and do it, then, you know, then you're wasting your time and you're wasting, you know, you know, your talent. And so I've had to kind of just figure it out. And that sounds so basic in general, but I have to force myself. In certain situations, I don't want to. Like I'll say, hey, I don't, I'm not up for this today not up for this today, totally fine, still navigating through certain things. And I also don't think I'm ever going to be fully over the fact that, you know, I was in a situation for five years that I was, I was, you know, I was putting all of my eggs into that basket um, for working out being my career and it didn't happen. And that is still not something that I've fully navigated through yet. Personally, Mm. um, I don't think I'm going to be able to for a really long time. But again, if I don't force myself to just get up and say, it is what it is, it happened, it's over with, it's been almost two years, you have to just keep going, then, you know, I'll just sit on the couch all day and, yes. and cry and sleep. And I've done that many days. I, was, I just had a very depressed day like a week and a half ago where I didn't move from bed for the whole day. I said, okay, I don't want to fight it today. I'm just going to mm-hmm. let myself lay here. And that's totally fine. It's totally mm-hmm. fine to just lay here and not fight it and not say, hey, well, I have to push myself to shower. I have to push myself. No, I don't. I don't have to do any of that, you know? And neither does anybody else. So it's been a lot of that, honestly. Yeah. It's just saying, okay, well, I succumb to the I succumb to the depression today and that's fine. But tomorrow you have to get up and, you know, do something different. Yeah. And allowing myself to do that has helped to navigate through those things quite a bit. So this is great. Thank you. This is like <laughs> you're just so honest. I feel and... like I, I feel like I've been in therapy so long that if I'm not, then nothing works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I relate to a lot of what you're describing. Um, but I've never really found the right way to articulate the feeling, that feeling of like, not, I can't do it. I can't do it today. Yeah. Because we're constantly told output is important. Oh yeah. And I hate that. It's such a toxic mindset to have. Oh boy. It's a tough one for me. How, how, I mean, you kind of described it, but, um, how do you sit with that today? Yeah. I, it's hard. It's it's so hard. Like and like for example, like today I'm okay. Like I'm fine. I'm not great, but I'm not bad either. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Like I've had to kind of learn with being okay. My in my last therapist, he said something to me that stuck with me for a long time. And he said, "You should strive to be content because you're not going to be happy every day all day. Like it's mm. just literally not. It's not possible. Anyone who says they're happy all day every day is just lying to you. And that's honestly kind of toxic positivity, which I hate. I hate toxic positivity." Um, I'm more of a realist, which a lot of people, uh, they, they kind of see that as being a pessimist, but it's more so just, you know, I see things for what they are and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't strive to be, you know, like, uh, like smiling all the time and, and being a rainbow, like walking sunshine. That's just not who I am. And that's never been who I am. So I, he said, strive to be content. And then you mm-hmm. honestly have more than most people. 
And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, that, that messed me up so much. And I've been thinking about that for years since he said that to me. And if I'm content, then I'm good. So today I'm content. And that's, you know, that's more than a lot of people feel. So yeah. I'm really grateful to just be content, you know? The thing that scares me about um, just life, <laughs> like your own, like I'm a person, not like all, the whole world, like my little life that I'm going to live and whatever, <laughs> is not being honest about how I feel. Yeah. That really scares me. Um, like burying emotions or feeling like you can't share and be honest about what's going on. Yeah. Um, I love my therapist. She is a wonderful lady. We speak over essentially Zoom. Good. I love and that. And therapy, I feel like, you know, we get our we go to the dentist. <laughs> you get an oil change. You we have a therapist. Therapy. Yeah. Because they <laughs> listen. And you can say the thing that you're – you don't feel like you can share to someone else because it might make them concerned or it might offend them or, you know, just a whole list of ways that expressing yourself can go – backwards yeah and quickly too I just fear for my own I mean I think I'm in a good I have a therapist so that's a good step but <laughs> it's a, it's a bit of a terrifying feeling to ever feel like you can't be listened to or someone believe you or take what you're saying seriously especially when it comes to your mental state so on days where it feels like I don't want to fight this today that I have a routine for those days. Yeah. And then I have a routine for days where I wake up and it's just easy. Yeah. It just comes. And I don't even think about it. And then there's days where it's like, we're not going to get very far today. So let's just feel that. Yeah. That's so important to do. Oh my God. So But important. we don't talk about it. I know. And it's like, <laughs> I think I think it's changed a lot over the years too. Because yes. especially in the workplace, people are like, well, you know, if you're not, if you're feeling depressed, well, guess what? You still have responsibilities. And mm -hmm. I don't really like that mentality because it's like, you know, I think there's, you know, there's a difference between uh, being mentally ill and, and struggling with your mental health. I think mm -hmm. that's not talked about a lot either. But mm -hmm. with all the circumstances in the world now, more people than ever are, are developing anxiety or developing yeah. depression or, or, or whatever it may be, you know, a phobia or, you know, a compulsion or what, like whatever it is that yeah. I don't think it's getting enough attention and I don't think it's getting enough conversation. And because of that, people really aren't allowed to kind of sit in their, whatever they're, they're, you know, feeling that day, you know, if they're feeling mm -hmm. depressed that day, you know, not everybody is able to just say, well, I, I don't feel well enough to go to work. And I just right. want to, I would just want to, I just want to succumb to it for the day. Right. And then tomorrow, you know, I'll reassess in the morning or something like that, you know? Right. So you're 100% right. Like it's just not getting talked about at all. And especially in the workplace. And I had a really important conversation with my second job um, at the start of the, the dance year because I teach at a dance studio. And I was like, you know, you guys have to understand like, you know, there's days that I'm going to miss because I'm just very bluntly, I was like, I'm mentally ill and I'm I have bipolar, which I don't talk mm -hmm. about a lot, but I have bipolar too. And if you see me going through cycles it's because I am bipolar and that has to be something that you guys understand or I can't work here. And I didn't do it as blunt as that, but I said it in a way that, you know, to try to help them understand, hey, this is who I am. This is mm -hmm. how it is. And there are some days where I just will not get up. <laughs> right. And that's fine. You know, some days I want to fight it, some days I don't. And some days I'm just like, you know what, I can't. And that's totally okay. But now more and more people are experiencing that as well. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's it's honestly just makes me so sad. I remember being 
eight years old and, you know, going to treatment and, you know, going through like full mental evals and, you know, nobody else having that experience. So I would just kind of sit there with it at school and be the, you know, feel very awkward and very weird and knew that people thought I was very weird because of those things. And nobody else experienced that. And now it's like a totally different world. And the environment is, is really stressing people out and really making people anxious and really making people quite depressed. And it makes me so sad because I never want that for anybody. I never want anybody to experience those things. And now more than ever, it's, it feels like it's everywhere and there's not enough treatment for it. There's not enough doctors. There's not enough. I actually wrote a letter to President Biden like a few months ago. Really? <laughs> Which was like so like out of my, out of my range. And, and my, the, my local senators, uh, Chuck Schumer is one of my senators. And um, I don't remember who the other, new, oh, Kristen Gillibrand. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote them letters about this exactly. And I was like, you know, there's not enough treatment. There's not enough doctors. Waiting lists to see a psych, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist are six months long. And mm-hmm. this is an implication of COVID. And it's, you know, people are being turned away and told, well, you have to wait six months to see someone because we're not taking on new patients. There's too many people in need. And something about that needs to change. And I did get a, I did get a letter back from... Um, from I don't remember which representative it was because I sent it to the House of Rep- Representatives as well, and you know it was like a nice letter and it was it was acknowledged and that was really all that I wanted was you know maybe it can become a conversation, and yeah. it's just like you're totally right like it's just not talked about and then people are turned away when they do choose to talk about it because there's not enough professionals out there to manage this uptick of of people who are struggling. Yeah, there's also been a universal. Universally, we've been faced with grief. Yes. And that is a new experience for me. And no one talks about it. And you can Google what to do or how to cope with it. Uh, But that one is really one where I struggled to find where to go with that feeling because it's not something that we talk about in the U.S. especially. So, and it happened on a global level. It happened in our homes. Like that one, whoo, that one knocked me on my butt. So. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry that you had to had to experience grief and are Thanks. still experiencing grief because grief is a cycle that I don't think, I don't think many people who haven't experienced grief, they don't acknowledge that it's a lifelong cycle. Mm-hmm. And I never say that to, um, to scare people. But it's something that, you know, I've experienced grief now for almost seven years with my dad and I'm still in that cycle and it's not talked about ever. And there's never a handbook on how to deal with it. Like you said, there's never one linear kind of uh, way to walk through it. And the thing that I've always told people is, you know, anybody who is experiencing grief, take what you have for the day. If you're going through denial, take it, sit with it understand what it feels like and just experiencing it or experience it. If you're going through anger the next day, you know, sit there, experience it, just let it simmer, know what it feels like, understand it. Because the more you sit with it, the more you'll understand it. And the more you'll know how to handle all of those stages of grief. Um, And it never goes away, but you become better at learning how to handle all of those parts of it at a certain point. And that's what makes it more manageable. But it's hard because there's no handbook. There's nobody to tell you, hey, well, this is how you deal with it. Oftentimes, they'll just throw pills at you, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's a problem. Too. That's a whole other problem. Oh, yeah. But it's like, you know, you're 100% right and valid in saying like, you know, it's it's not something that anybody tells you. 
okay, well, this is how you handle it. You know, you can see a therapist, they can talk you through, you know, you can see a psychiatrist, you can, you know, you could do support groups. There's, there's options, but it's never a linear thing. And everybody's process is, is, is completely different. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that could help. Grief is so hard. Like it's so, <sighs> it's so um, multifaceted that everybody responds differently. Someone could be in a state, I was in a state of denial for like a year before I started to move through other phases of grief, then I was in denial for a day and then I would be angry for a week. And it's like, it's like an endless thing, but not everybody has the same experience as me. Like everybody goes through it at different times, different levels. You know, people, someone could be in in one stage for a day and then move on to the next, the next day, or someone can be in one stage for a year and then move on to another for a year. And it's, you know, more like elongated, I guess, but it's just, it's honestly quite annoying. Like (laughs) there's no, um, there's no uh, – and frustrating that there's really no one thing that you can – that, you know, anyone can do. It's just you have to kind of – I hate to say sit with it because it's like the most uncomfortable thing in the world. But you have to, I guess, become acquainted with it, which is yeah. also really uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. So that's another one. I hope, that it, gets, I hope that it gets easier for you over Thanks, time. It's, I, it's pretty new. So yeah. I have – and it was it was my dad too. I'm so sorry. I Thanks, know that's buddy. the hardest. I know it's the hardest thing in the world, and it's different for everybody. But it's a it's a very very difficult process that not a lot of people can understand. And I'm glad that not a lot of people can understand it because I don't want other people to understand it. Yeah. But it's it's nobody has the the handbook for you, and that's the hardest thing. Yeah. And I've been trying to make an effort to be honest, especially on this platform, yeah. because. Like I said, it's not discussed a lot. So if we talk about it, it makes it a little bit easier for someone else to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's how I always else to listen. felt too. Yeah, that's how I always felt too. But I also learned like there's days that I don't want to talk about it. I just don't. Totally. You know, I'll just say, hey, honestly, like fuck off. Like I don't want to talk about it yeah. today. Not to be rude, but like, you know, say, yeah. hey, thank you for checking in, but I really don't want to talk about it today. Yes. And there's some days where I say I do, and I'm sure you're going to experience the same things. But if you ever need to talk, you know where to find me. Thank you. I, I'm always, always happy to, to You're just chat. like a <laughs> little, little wise Yoda, but in the form of a beautiful young lady. It's all it's, the mental health treatment. <laughs> you just have lived so many lives, Hope. I know. I don't like it. I would well, rather just be like a, I would always rather just be like a, you know, mid 20 something who likes to go to the bar and like chill with my friends and still drink and like, you know, was very careless and nonchalant, but I'm so not like that. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel so old. It makes for uh, deep, compelling music and art. Which I enjoy for sure. Yeah. I do enjoy that side of it. (laughs) So the, so social shit. Yeah. I have such an aversion to the to Instagram. Like it just oh, makes me it. so uncomfortable. Right. And I know that you and I both have to have it for work I know. in a way. It's so unfortunate. And when I saw the song, I was just like, finally. <laughs> so tell us about the just the idea, or were you like really amped up one day about the toxicity of all of it like how did this song happen yeah it was like so when when twitter first came out i was in my sophomore year of high school and this was a long 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 time ago it was like 2009 when i first got a twitter and so i was you know we were all introduced to the world of quick fast messages easily accessible to anyone you know facebook wasn't really the same but this was like the first form of 
you know, well, you can catch news at any second. News can spread like wildfire. And there were times with Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, pure volume. This is like way back in the day um, where I was just like relentlessly bullied for pursuing music. And there were Facebook pages like made about me, like, you know, Hope Vista sucks. I hate Hope Vista videos on YouTube, like, you know, like stupid shit, like social shit. And that's just yeah. where, that's where it originally came from was I was like, oh, this is so stupid, but it impacts you in a, in a long lasting way. So those experiences carried me through adulthood pursuing music. And I would always think, well, you know, everyone hates me and everyone, every, someone's going to make fun of me. Someone's going to make a video. Someone's going to say something and it, you know, would eat at me. And that's part of it. You know, that's always part of music. Not everybody's going to like what you do. But it wasn't about the music. It was people specifically um, saying things about me without knowing me. And that was what always really bothered me. It was like, well, you know, if, if, if someone maybe just reached out and had a conversation and say, hey, I don't like you because of this. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. You know, then maybe they would change their mind or maybe not, you know, but the conversation actually getting to know someone is what always bothered me because there was a lack of that. It was, well, I see your social media pages, so I know you. And it's like, no, you don't. So (laughs) as time got on with quicker social media, TikTok, Instagram, things like that, it got worse and worse over time. You dress a certain way. You say, you know, something, you know, how you feel. People think you're fishing for attention. You uh, wear, you know, a specific top. Oh, well, they just want people to look at you. You don't actually have an eating disorder. Like it's just you want people to say that they feel sorry for you. And it's like all these different things. Your dad, you know, my dad passes away. People say, oh, you're just looking for attention by posting about him. Things like that built up over Mm. time. And I got really pissed off at a point. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is so stupid. Nobody knows who I am because they're not trying to. They're just looking at my social media pages that I have to have for the band that I'm in or whatever it was at the time. And they think that they know me. And that really bothers me because they don't. They don't really know what I'm like at home. They don't know what I'm like when I'm just sitting with my fiance or my dog or my friends or whoever it may be and just chilling, minding my own business, doing whatever. Um, I'm a writer. I've always, uh, you know, used words as a way to communicate you know, I have my bachelor's in writing. <laughs> like I wrote forty page paper for my thesis. Like I, I've always used words to communicate in the, you know, written words to communicate yeah. in my most effective and authentic way. So writing on social media for me was always a way to just kind of like, you know, here's here's what I have to say, not doing it for any specific reason other than to just use my language, which is written written word. Mm. Um, but photos, outfits, you know, just stupid things like people would assume that got worse over time. And I got really fed up one day. And I actually, this is like, I've never told anybody this. This is like very close kept, but I checked myself into the psych ward very recently um, Mm. because I had had it. I had had it at a point. And the things that people were assuming about me were really eating at me. Um, So I walked up to my fiance. I said, I need to go to the hospital. And I went to the hospital and, and that was it. I was, you know, fine, did what I needed to do, whatever. But it was that turning point where I said, God, like, why are you letting this eat at you? First of all, who cares? Mm. But second of all, I care. Like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a certain way because of what I'm, you know, pictures that I'm put. Like, who cares? You know, it's all mm. social shit. And that's where it came from. And it yeah. was it was like such a – and I said th- certain things in the song, you know, certain lyrics. I was like, eh, I don't know if I should say this. Maybe it's too much. And there's like lines in particular. I could overdose on drugs. And they would say I took one for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Like how I actually feel. You know, I said, maybe this is too much, but I said, you know, if you choose to start holding yourself back for the sake of appeasing other people, then you're not, you know, the point of the song is kind of, is kind of moot at that point. You know, mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the song. Um, you know, I, or my mouth could be covered in blood and they'd still say that I'm a drama queen, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. It's just, I was so fed up at a certain point 
with, um, you know, with, with assumptions and how dangerous curation can be because you're only getting a very small picture into people's lives. When you look at a feed, it's curated. People choose what they post. They right. choose what they want you to see. And same with me, with, with work, with PR, with music, with whatever it is. You know, I want people to see certain things. I'm not going to show them, you know, me sitting at the table making dinner or like whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about branding and everybody's about branding now. Mm-hmm. So it's gotten worse over time, especially with TikTok. And I'm kind of like on a rant because it just makes me so mad. <laughs> I I was so I, over I'm it. I'm with you. I'm standing right behind you with <laughs> was, a sign that says was, social shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like so over it. And I was like, you know what? If this is too much, then it's too much. But I really need to say it because I'm so over it. And I'm just so over the curation and the ethics of curation and like people thinking that they can dig into your socials and assume that they know who you are. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, like as authentic as someone can be on social media, it still doesn't show who you are because they're not seeing you in real time. So, you know, they're seeing drafted posts, like pre-drafted posts or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so I was just over it. And I was like, you know what, this is the perfect way to come back and to review this to just, you know, be unsparingly honest because that's how I've always been. But like in a way that, you know, is, uh, is, is just a straightforward, but, but still descriptive and still says exactly what it is that I feel without, you know, without feeling like I have to filter myself to make people happy, which is a line in the song. It's not my responsibility to filter myself just to make people happy. Right. You know, Oh boy. That was a lot. I'm sorry. No, it's good. It's, (laughs) I have an angst about, God, it makes me so Social media, I I have it because I feel like I have to for work. Right, exactly. You know, I think there's cute dogs and there's recipes and there's great little, you know, cute things. Yeah. But I don't know that the way that it's made me feel at certain points in my life outweighs the cute dog videos. And that's yeah, that's exactly the thing is like you find the little good parts sprinkled in and that's what keeps you on. They know how yeah. to pull you back in. But then when you start to mess, not mess with, but like get it, you know, when you start to think about, you know, people you know or people you kind of just know, like acquaintances and, and what they're thinking of when they look at your stuff and you see their stuff, like opinions naturally start to form about people. Yeah. And I don't like that. Like I realized over time, I was like, I really, really don't like that. Like I would so much rather just talk to somebody, um, you know, and have a conversation. And I would, I would actually rather someone, you know, text me and say, hey, I don't like that you did this on socials. Can we talk about it? And I'd be like, it's really not your business, but sure. You know, like, cause it's, it's really not anybody's business what you post on your own socials. But, um, but I would love to have a conversation about it because if it bothered you, I would love to know what it is that I did that bothered you. So I could, you know, make it right or, or talk about it in depth or get a, you know, you get a better feel for me and I get a better feel for you. And that's always been, you know, what I would, what I would prefer um, that's why I always liked emails because yeah. emails, you didn't see pictures. You just typed out text and that was it. I love emails. I'm yeah. so like old school with stuff like that. I hate technology. I hate all of it. Um, but you feel like you have to have it and that's, yeah. they make you feel like you have to have it to succeed. Right. And that's like the most frustrating thing. And with Vista, that was like a big part of Vista was socials and branding and looking a oh, specific yeah. way. And at a point I was like, oh my God, I was like, I hate this. I hate this so much. Um, it's exhausting to uphold a brand. But it's, you know, they make you do it now. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's social shit. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And um, curation is a poison. And that's, you know, it's just, I feel like I can't be any more straightforward than. <laughs> oh, no, you are. That's <laughs> say those things. Like, you know, but I never want to, I never in my life have ever wanted to like, you know, hurt someone on socials or like, you know, I don't subtweet. I don't like do those things. I don't care. Yeah. 
And it's just not my vibe. It's not my thing. And when people assume things about you, it just becomes really hurtful. It just becomes really hurtful when you know that that's not who you are and they don't know that. And it's like, you want to please everybody and you can't because you're out there. Yeah. You're out Mm -hmm. there on on social media and you're out there and anyone can look at you and think whatever they want and you can't control that. The only way you can is by not posting, but then people still say things about you. Oh, where is she? Where is she? Did she go to the, did she go into the hospital again? Like things, people start talking and I don't like that. So I don't understand that the, finding joy in that side of the internet. Like mm-hmm. I understand the dog videos and yeah. the they're great exciting <laughs> announcements and that kind of celebratory things, but enjoying the internet to be a troll, right? I don't understand it. It's painful. Like it's so painful and it's so unnecessary. And I've never found the point in subtweeting or like you know. I think that's so stupid. If you have something mm-hmm. to say to someone, just say it. Like you're right. just putting yourself in a hole. I don't know. There's so many things about it that just, it it just bothered me. And I was like, you know, I have a lot to say, so let me just do it. Um, and, and make a really good song out of it. And I really love the song. Like I really genuinely love that song. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. And, and that makes me happy alone. It's like, okay, you Mm. say what you need to say. It's off your chest, but you have a product here that's creative and you really love it. And you Mm. feel like it's the most authentic thing you've been able to do in a long time. It's like fully you. And um, the original thought actually was to do a photo shoot in, in my bathtub, which I did. The photo shoot in my bathtub um, were the promo photos, but I was going to be covered in blood. Like I was going to be kind of like having blood coming out of my stomach. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever seen at the VMAs, this was a long time ago, in 2009, Lady Gaga, she did a performance of paparazzi. And it stuck with me like since that performance where she bled out at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a homage to the dangers of the paparazzi. And mm-hmm. I was like, I want to bleed out of my stomach in my bathtub. And that sounds so weird, but I said it to my fiance. I was like, I might need your help with something. <laughs> and I need you to help me with this blood. And he got it. Like he understand what I was trying to say. I was like, the, the social media aspect is an enhanced version of what the paparazzi was, mm-hmm. you know, back then with like Britney Spears or whoever it was. Yes. And it, I had these ideas and I said, you know, just let the song speak for itself. You don't need to turn to, to anything severe you can just let the song speak for itself. And if people listen to it, they listen to it. If they don't like it, then that's fine. Um, but you're doing it for yourself. And that's right. the most important part. Yeah. The you know? tricky thing with uh, social media specifically is that there isn't a way to hold anyone accountable Oh God, I know. for what they say <laughs> mm-hmm. or how they use the information that you're sharing. Yeah. And that's the worst really part. Cons- we're terrible. I know. It's the worst part. And like there's people who are just straight up uh, – just nasty. And I never, I am never going to be the person to call someone out on socials because I don't care. You know, like I don't care. That's not why I use it. I use it to say weird stuff. And like now my pages are like all fan pages for my, my dog. Um, all I do is post (laughs) my dog, um, because he, he brings me genuine joy and I want to share that with other people. Um, you know, and that's what I feel like it should be about. It shouldn't be about branding. It shouldn't be about, you know, um, feeling like you have to post to stay relevant. And that's what I said in the, like the quote that I put on the press release for the song was like, I felt like I had to stay relevant. And if I didn't post, then I wasn't relevant. People would forget about the band. Mm-hmm. And that was like the most toxic thing to feel. It's like, well, yeah. I have to post pictures of me in certain outfits. I have to do my makeup every day, look a certain way, be very skinny, whatever it may be. And then people will not forget my band. That's how we're going to get signed. That's mm-hmm. such a stupid mentality. <laughs> it's like, very bad. It's very bad. Like, and people have told me that, like, what are you, like, why are you thinking that? I'm like, cause it, it's, it's kind of just what the world has twisted me into thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like with social media, it's like what social media captivates you in and pulls you in and, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I actually during quarantine really like stopped posting for a while. 
mm-hmm. this much on Instagram. I now post like every, you know, month, whatever. But I was posting every day before, sometimes mm-hmm. two or three times a day. And I was like, God, I hate it. I hate it's it. too much. Too much. Too much. People are getting annoyed. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I don't like it. You know, don't give them anything to talk about. Just live yeah. your life and, and um, you know, be content with it and be the best person that you can be. That's the most important part. Yeah. And who cares about the rest of it? You know, who cares about like the social shit that people fixate on? Right. And how do you balance your creativity with your normal life? I mean, it's – I've always been a creatively weird person. And like I I say weird because like when I was 10 years old, my mom was really concerned about me. Because she knew something was off because I wrote a song called Tombstone. And oh. I was writing a song about like, you know – walking like out of a cemetery as a 10 year old and it was really weird and like (laughs) I understand why my mom was alarmed because it was just so weird and creepy (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. off but like even at that age I was trying to be creative while also just going to school and being a normal kid and people thought I was weird and I knew that people thought I was weird so I you know I was doing weird stuff and I don't really perceive it as weird I just perceive I perceive it as well you have a very creative mind and you were trying to hone in on it and nobody else really understood that And I see that now as an adult, but it hasn't really changed much now as an adult. I just have to kind of, you know, if I get an idea, then I write it down. And if I, you know, if I hear something in my head, then I just do it as a voice memo or I write a, you know, a journal entry. I don't really journal much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of, you know, I don't know. I just, it doesn't really work for me. I I can never say in the schedule. I just, Mm -hmm. if I get a song idea, I just, I just, you know, step aside for a second and do it. I often write when I'm driving, which is not really safe, but (laughs) I, I do that a lot. Um, and it's the same as when I was, you know, when I was a kid writing weird stuff and still writing weird stuff and I'm still kind of just, you know, balancing both, but I just try to do it more in private now. So people Mm. don't (laughs) think that I'm like the weirdest person alive. Yes. I don't know. It's just always, my creative life has always been very intertwined with everything else. Yeah. And not to put any pressure on like (laughs) output. Yeah. But what, what, what do you see as, um, coming next? Well, I want to do so. I have an EP that's done. It's mastered. It's done. But I don't. Oops. I don't see myself releasing it anytime soon because I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. And like by right, I mean I want to just have more of a base first. Like I really want to take my time in building Raviv and and telling the story of who she is because everyone knows Hope Vista and right. Raviv is the same person. It's me physically, yes. But like they know me doing pop punk music in 2015 as Hope Vista. You know that was who I was then. Just like Sahara was who I was eight months ago when I put it out. Um, but that's not who I am right now. So mm-hmm. I want to just, you know, take my time, not drop the EP just because I'm impatient and really put into practice the patience that I had to work on, the stillness that I had to work on in, in quarantine. Um, so I'm going to do a, hopefully a single a month. That's the plan. Um, nice. I will be announcing the next one soon. I just have to finalize a few things. And the next song I really, really love. It's It's very sad, but... I really like it a lot, and it's one of the first ones that I wrote for Revive, nice. and uh, wrote that one acapella as well. So I'm really excited wow. about that. It, uh, that, that. That approach has actually worked a lot for me for for Revive stuff. I really am not playing guitar much, and I'm just kind of writing acapella and saying like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Um, and that's really it. So that's working for me. So I just you know trying to go with it. But yeah, hopefully a single a month is is the move for right now. Nice. Yeah, it's just you know the recording studio is in my yard, so. There you go. It's here now at my my house before I had to drive an hour to get to the studio. So now it's here. And if I just have an idea, I say, hey, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about writing about this, this, or this. And when the dog's asleep, just like go out there and, you know, <laughs> kind of like do whatever. He sleeps a lot. So, yes. 
Well, I mean, Hope, as wild of a ride as it's been, I just, again, want to just congratulate you on perseverance, finding yourself, happiness, contentness, love, just all of the things that we all are working every single day to keep afloat. Yeah. And I really admire your tenacity. Thank you. I just want to say, like, I love chatting with you because you have such an open mind, but you also like get very in depth. And I always appreciate that because I'm not very, as you can, you know, by now I'm not a very like surface level person. I just, I'm a, I'm a talker and it's because it's because I've been in therapy for so long. You get so (laughs) used to going in depth at a certain point um, that I don't know when to stop sometimes. But, um, but I just appreciate it because it's, it gives me the opportunity and other artists, the opportunity to just, you know, get past the, the, you know, the assumption level and the, the, you know, the social kind of level it just gets into a deeper space. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that and for, you know, sharing information about, about you and having a conversation and it's like an actual conversation, you know, which I genuinely just love and appreciate so much. Thank you. Of course. That's so nice. And again, anytime you just come on anytime you want to talk. I, I emailed you. I'm I here to like, listen. I was like, I really want to talk to Sarah. I was like, yes. I re- it's been so long. I was like, I really, really genuinely want to talk to Sarah. I mean, it's wild that it was February of 2020. So it's kind of like dog years. It's I know. like it feels like that was seven years ago. I know. And it's just because of COVID. Like, because we yes. were all, the time just like time stopped for a long time. <laughs> and it really I, did. I, I didn't even know what day it was today. I was like, shit, like I know. December. Like I didn't even realize. It's um, wild. But no, I just I just really appreciate it. I was like, maybe if I wait like two years, then she'll want to talk to me again. Oh no, every week. <laughs> We could talk weekly. Oh my God, I would love that. Yes. Well, thank you so much for everything and congratulations. I'm so excited to keep an eye on everything that comes thank at whatever you. pace it comes. <laughs> I'm here for it. And just, again, I really admire your tenacity and your perseverance. It's a quality that I I have sometimes. You but, have it. Um, <laughs> you have it. You just don't know it. I got it a little bit, but you, uh, you are such an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. You, thank you. I hope you have a great day. Uh, I hope you have a great holiday because like you said, it's almost December. So I we're going to have 2022 is coming around the corner. I know. <laughs> boy, oh boy. And go snuggle that puppy. Thank you. I think he just woke up. So I'm so okay, excited perfect. to see him. <laughs> Give him a little snuggle and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.